Standardized Patients Podcast. I am your host and nostalgia enthusiast, Katie Culligan. In this podcast, we dive into the who, what, why, and huh of this quirky industry that no one's ever heard of. So what's a standardized patient, you may ask? Well, a standardized patient is a... A person who helps train doctors by pretending to be sick. Solid. Simple and solid. <laughs> I like the conciseness of that. You know, it's the shortest version. Sometimes I will also, I used to explain to people that evidently there was a Seinfeld episode about it where yes, Kramer or someone was yeah. being a standardized patient and they had to, you know, an STD and it was very embarrassing. But, you know, that, that pop reference is kind of slowly fading away and becoming less known. True. We actually spoke about that in our very first episode. Ah. How that is like the cultural yeah. touch point so far. Mm -hmm. And it works because a lot of people have seen Seinfeld, at least yeah. Yeah, a hilarious <laughs> little scene that um. I like to touch base on. But yes, thank you. So this is our guest today, Gwyn. Gwyn Grastorf. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure. I'm so delighted to be here. Yay! Gwen is a performer and an actor based in the DC metro area, specializing in physical theater. She's a company member with Happenstance Theater and also has worked locally with Constellation Theater, Taffety Punk, We Happy Few, Rorschach Theater, Faction of Fools, The Tarot Reading, and The Washington Revels. Whee. She has also worked as a standardized patient locally at hospitals and training centers. Gwen was raised in Frederick, Maryland, and got her degree at the University of Maryland College Park. Welcome, Gwen. Thank you so much. Hi. Now, I know a lot about physical theater. Can you tell us just a little bit more about that? Sure. So I somehow fell into doing a little bit of kind of odd theater. It's a little bit the the kind of fringe edges of theater. I started out in ballet and chorus. And so by the time I got my theater degree and started acting, I kept getting roles in shows where I would be, you know, inanimate objects or spirits or statues or, you know, characters that were playing multiple ages, lots of kind of very bizarre stuff. And I fell in with a company, this company Happenstance, and it's run by a couple of people who are mimes and clowns and kind of very much in the old school physical comedy universe. A lot of slapstick, a lot of kind of vaudeville style stuff. So we devise our own shows. We make shows usually once or twice a year with different themes and we put all of our weird skills like juggling and ukulele playing into the show. So yeah, I specialize in stuff that's a little less brain text based and a little more physical based. Pies in yeah. the face included. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I actually have had the pleasure of seeing a happenstance show and oh. I can vouch it is really fantastic. <laughs> now whenever you guys do things, I'm like, how do I make, how can oh. I see this? Yeah, you guys yeah. are really Really, really talented and very unique. Yeah, yeah. I feel very lucky to have kind of fallen into that. But if I'm not mistaken, when I moved to DC, I think I saw you in a constellation show. Ooh. I didn't know you then, so yeah, that yeah. was actually probably news to you. Um, <laughs> but I think it was Faustus. Were you in Faustus? Oh yeah. We did one that was like it's called Temptation, but it's by Vaclav Havel and it's like a Faust story. That's what it was. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Super I remember you in that. And that was like one. one of the very first shows I saw. Nice. So anyway, you've been around yeah. for a while. Wow, which is wonderful. And we're glad to have you here. You mentioned in your bio a little bit about standardized patient work. Tell us just a little bit about like your history with standardized patient work. I'm trying to remember exactly who got me into SP work because at the time, a bunch of actors I knew were doing it. And it might've been my friend Genevieve, or I knew this gal who was also working scheduling for one of the military training groups. And I think I asked somebody, cause at the time, as I said, I, you know, I was doing a lot of weird part-time work, you know, doing psych studies at the National Institute of Health for money. And I was working part-time 
I'm in a box office for money. And so I thought, oh yeah, I'll do standardized patient work. Somebody got me the intake form, right? So I signed up and I'm pretty sure the first case I ever did, I did some in-person cases. Like I remember doing an ectopic pregnancy one mm-hmm. where, you know, you're supposed to have this pain in your side and they were supposed to tell you a diagnosis and then you were supposed to get upset about it, right? And I think that's when I learned too about some of them are like an emotional reaction you're supposed to portray because one of the other girls doing the case could like cry on command. And I remember thinking, wow, I can't, that's not really my strong suit. You can juggle on command. I could, I, you know, right. I can do a little, (laughs) but I remember doing a few in a row. Like I did a angsty teen where it was like a kind of an emotional, socio-emotional judgment. And I I had a little hoodie and I would kind of fidget, not look at them. And I remember doing some in-person ones with groups of students, but then I kind of fell into a pattern where I would do these, these SP gigs and it would be like morning gigs from like 7 a.m. to 2 or 1 and 8 a.m. to 2. And I, I somehow fell into a bunch that were like OBGYN issues. And so it kind of did those for a bunch of years. And then, you know, it was a lot of fun. We would see the same kind of instructors and and other SPs on the gigs. And yeah, it was, it was a really fun time. Not my very first, but one of my first encounters Mm -hmm. I ever did as an SP was also an ectopic pregnancy Uh, as a teenager. Yeah. And who was kind of angsty too. And so there's a a counseling component after Mm -hmm. the surgery component Mm -hmm. to it, like deal with the the issue first, because that's pretty uh, urgent. And then talk to the teen about what they need to do next time, maybe to have safe sex. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I remember doing something like that, where you as the character have an STD, they have to kind of very directly, you you can't volunteer information, right? You have to to really wait until they ask that specific question and press you on it. And I thought that was always really interesting, like how close they get sometimes and not quite mm-hmm. quite get the diagnosis and that's our job right because in in the real world they're going to experience that mm-hmm. i also really liked ones where i would learn a physical maneuver like i remember there was one where i learned a tremor that got wider the closer it got to the subject it was a very specific neurological problem or something and it was a very specific tremor or like one where you know they brush the arch of your foot and you had to turn your foot in a very specific way which is a, a reaction that only happens when you have a particular is diagnosis the yeah i think it's Perhaps? the babinski reflex yep i've been doing that recently actually. oh man yeah yeah it's not a fun one it's just yeah it's oh i know right gives you the shivers a little but it opens up these little universes of these ailments that you would never know about unless you knew about them unless you knew someone who had one or you had diagnosed one they're very unique and kind of exciting to learn about yeah no totally i mean my husband often says like i'm his doctor and i'm like well i'm not (laughs) right (laughs) let's clarify that there but i'm like but i do know more than the average person due to all of these ailments (laughs) that i've learned about and how to to diagnose them, for lack yeah. of a better word, at least on myself right. for all of that. But I would still never <laughs> yeah. I'm not a doctor. So. No, we know the warning signs, but only the ones we've been taught. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. We we don't know what to do after that. Once it's mm-hmm. like, okay, go to the hospital. Right. Now. Ask somebody who has a degree in it. But yeah, so it sounds like you got more education within the SP realm yeah. um, over many years and many gigs with. Lots yeah, of- fun part was always on break during those, especially the OBGYN mornings, because everybody would be back in the break room, you know, eating a bagel and be like, that guy didn't even ask about the afterbirth like just the funny stuff of, of if you had the same case like where did they particularly yeah. with OBGYN issues can they tell the difference between that and an abdomen issue right like the classic is mistaking appendicitis right for something else or like not being able to tell right. yeah exactly like it's if the pain is right. down there how do you 
parse out the different symptoms. Yeah. So I just thought that was really a kind of a tricksy spot for those doctors. It is. It is. I feel like any woman of childbearing age who mm-hmm. can portray that is going to portray some semblance of a character with some lower right quadrant pain. Yes. So yeah. those doctors mm-hmm. are going to have to figure out, okay, is this pregnancy yeah. related or is this appendicitis or mm-hmm. is it something to do with gallbladder? Or- yeah. So there were a couple kinds of training pelvises. I'm sure you've seen these, but there was one I remember that they would sit next to me and they actually could put a little tumor in it. They could put a little hard tumor on one side of the pelvis. And then that when they would press on where they had, you know, installed the kind of fake growth, I would go, ooh, ah, and kind of like grimace in pain so that they would know that that, what it was supposed to feel like when there was something under the surface. Oh, so usually the training pelvis was, yeah, so the training oh. pelvis was like next to me and they're, they're palpating the fake pelvis and I would be reacting as though it was yeah. me. What is a training pelvis? <laughs> pelvis. How would you explain that? Oh gosh. Yeah. You know, those, those mannequins people learn CPR on, they're kind of like that. This, this one comes, I think the training pelvises are usually, it's like belly button to mid thigh and it's shaped like a normal pelvis and has a kind of a plastic or vinyl kind of covering. And then there's usually a cover you can kind of snap on the belly part and underneath they have, you know, a little kind of rubber uterus and some stuff. So it's supposed to feel kind of like a regular pelvis, but then they can add in a little lump, a little growth. So it's a little like playing one of those operation games or using any sort of kind of simulated item. But yeah, it's a pelvis that is designed to look and feel mostly like a real human pelvis, but it's not attached to a real human. So you're sitting next to it. Yeah. In that case, I was sitting next to it. In the fake births, I w- that's a whole nother story. Oh, I wouldn't hear about yeah, these Which, fake which we should stories. get into. Quite literally, the, our episode topic for the day is mannequins and fake limbs, fake arms, fake pelvises, fake yeah. limbs, all the things. So <laughs> Gwen has some you know, stories about that. I, <laughs> It's funny, I haven't worked a lot with fake limbs, although I know that a lot of the trauma events, they'll do that. They'll either attach a fake limb that falls off. I know they'll they'll do a lot of makeup and make like a little fake piece of bone that sticks out, you know, like those creature kind of makeup shows where they can use latex and make it Special look really effects. gnarly. I have a friend who actually passed out once in the chair because she was imagining what it would feel like to have a compound fracture while they were doing it on her. And she's an easy pass outer. She's like one of those people that she sees blood. She just whoop, like a little raccoon, she just tips oh over. So yeah, she was looking down at the, the fake wound and imagining it being real and just knocked out in the chair for 10 minutes and did they revive her like what happened yeah they were just like oh are you okay and gave her some water and she was fine she just her body has this thing where it's like no trauma i'm not interested yeah. So I, I'm assuming she didn't do it again. I don't think she did that one. Yeah. She was really good at other ones. You know, <laughs> there's yeah. lots of different kinds of standardized patient work is the cool part. I don't remember exactly how I got involved with giving birth to fake babies. It was like <laughs> someone had asked me, like, would you want to do this case? And it involves giving birth to fake babies. So it's it's a little bit silly, the whole setup. So you, you wear like shorts and a tank top under and then you have your hospital gowns on. So we tie the hospital gowns on and then you sit in the hospital bed with the stirrups. And you've got this big tray training pelvis in the middle. And this one's pretty big because it's for giving birth. So it's like, a, I don't know, 20 inches or something. And it's it's yeah. a big pelvis and it's got a snap on cover. So you kind of snap off the cover and you put the baby inside. And it's like a rubber baby with little eyeballs. And it has a, a little umbilical cord and a placenta. It's got like a rubber flat placenta that looks kind of like a real placenta but it's you know like kind of reddish and it's got little stripes on it and it velcros to the inside of the pelvis so you kind of lay it on. and the weirdest part is you actually put a little baby powder on the baby so that it doesn't stick in the canal because the training pelvis has this very kind of rubberized you know very smooth curved opening where the vagina would normally be and so set the baby up and you strap it in and you kind of cover it with your little hospital gown and then the encounter starts like ding here they come and so the, the, the doctor comes in with a student who's learning and they're like 
like, oh, Mrs. Johnson, are you ready to give birth? And you go, yeah, okay. And then you kind of hold the pelvis with one hand and you just push the baby out with your other hand. I mean, that was the hardest part. Yeah, you're kind of straddling it like gently. (laughs) And you kind of, you kind of push it out. And that's the hardest part is like, how long do you fake give birth for? It's mostly not about that like so you push the baby and, like, and they say come on push and you, you push it out and they pull the baby out and then the, what they're getting trained on is all the stuff you do afterwards they would mm. be like the doctor would say you know what do you do next and they give the mother pitocin to help her expel the placenta and they take the placenta out and sometimes they'd say oh i'd hand that off to the such and such team so it can get tested they often would give me back the baby so mm-hmm. then i would be holding my freshly birthed baby in my arms and they would check in with me and then they go away and the encounter ends and i would reset everything you plug the umbilical cord back into the baby and you put it back in the pelvis and put the placenta back in and you, you know, snap the whole thing shut and start again. And there's a little strap on the top of the pelvis to help hold it. Like everything is, you know, you have to hold it pretty hard while you're pushing it through. But so you'd give birth to baby like six times in the morning. You kind of, you know, do the case over and over. And then I would just read in between. I kind of set the pelvis back and get my little book, which was behind my chair and read a novel. And then they'd be like, ding, starting encounter. And I'd give another birth. <laughs> Wait, did you get did you lose your voice from like screaming or yelling oh well, i mean this is the problem where i never really went crazy with the birth pains because i think that wasn't the point i don't know i was never instructed to be particularly like traumatic about it mm-hmm. maybe that was one of the goals but it wasn't ever anything you know i gave birth probably for maybe 45 seconds just <laughs> <laughs> probably a lot faster <laughs> than your average human and also how long was their encounter their visit time with you yeah maybe five Five minutes, five, six minutes. I think they were designed to be done in concert with a bunch of other OBGYN or, you know, because they would start them all at the same time and they would kind of end all at the same time. I don't know. Maybe there are different ones too. Like there may be ones that are more focused on dealing with the patient's pain and issues and more that are about like, what would you suggest and what would you give them as medicine and what would you do afterwards to make sure the baby's healthy, et cetera, et cetera. Man, it was fun. I'd be like, I'm going to go give birth to fake babies today. I give birth to five, (laughs) six babies and they were all named Gwen. Like I would (laughs) these fake names I'd name them after my friends (laughs) Gwen Jr Gwen Jr Gwen Jr Rebecca Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was very entertaining, but I did have one day that was particularly memorable where, so I don't know, I had given birth to like three or four or five babies already that morning. It was like not the first encounter of the day. So Mm -hmm. I had reset my baby and I was all ready to go. And the encounter started and the doctor came in, the instructor and one of the students who was learning and she was very nervous, you know, just very young kind of student doctor, very quiet, very kind of mousy and and a little nervous. And, you know, she kind of got set with me, Miss Johnson, are you ready to give birth? I was like, yeah, yeah. So I pushed the baby out, you know, and gave birth to the baby. And, you know, she took the baby and I think she did all the other stuff pretty normally. It was like, you know, what would happen next? And hand the placenta off to the doctors to get it checked and, you know, give the the mother the baby so they could have some skin to skin contact. And then, you know, the instructor said, well, what would you do next? And the student was like, oh, check the mother for tears or rips. She gets down there and she's like, oh, I see a tear. And I was like, you know, that's weird, right? It's like a $400 training pelvis, right? It's very smooth. It's got, it's kind of very well designed, but she goes into the little cart that's right there next to the bed and she pulled out a needle and thread. And yeah. And she like, I I don't know if it was pre-done or she threaded it and and she starts sewing. And I can't really see what she's doing, you know, because I'm kind of tipped back in the chair and I've got my legs in the stirrups and the the whole pelvis is in the way. It's like completely silent. And I I just, I remember like looking at the instructor and looking away and, you know, I have a real hard time keeping a straight face. I think I just looked at my baby, my fake baby, and they look really weird too. They have these really weird little blue eyes. So I was just, you know, staring at my fake baby and trying not to, it was like, you know, five full minutes, what felt like forever of silence. She's down there with her little shaky hands kind of sewing. So she finishes up. 
God, she finally finishes up down there. And, you know, she finished up and she was like, Mrs. Johnson, you know, is there anything else you need? I was like, no, no, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, you know, the doctor released her and she went out the door and shut the door. And, and I just looked at the doctor. I was like, what was she doing down there? And, <laughs> and she, she turned the pelvis around, you know, and underneath the perfectly smooth kind of vagina area on the mannequin pelvis huh? is this perfectly round hole that's supposed to represent the anus. Okay. And she had sewn my anus shut. <laughs> she had like very neatly, like little tiny holes kind of made this perfectly symmetrical back and forth across of it. I mean, and this is like, you know, it's not really supposed to be a tear or anything, but she really, oh. <laughs> and the instructor said something like, she sewed your butthole shut. And, you know, she really felt like she was doing the right thing, but oh, I could not stop laughing. It was also like, didn't tell her not to no no she didn't stop her and I, and it's kind of good that she didn't like maybe she really thought that that was part of the training pelvis that it's supposed to look like there had been a tear and you should uh -huh. you should sew it up but you know i kept thinking like oh how was your birth you know i was okay but the doctor sewed my butt shut oh, <laughs> like, so i wound up with worse issues yeah everything else was fine but uh oh man um the mother's in for a a rude awakening when yeah, she I, her first bowel I think movement. Took, you know, I think they went in and took the took the kind of oh, um, stitches you, out. You saw it like fully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was straight back and forth, kind of like a little oh. like a little zigzag all the way across. <laughs> she really did a very um, delicate and detailed job. <laughs> I'm assuming the student did eventually find out that that was incorrect. No, I don't know. I mean, that's the no. thing is that at the time, like, I never got to to hear about the other end of it. Like, you know, sometimes after encounters, you get to judge how it went, right? You can say yeah. this person did this, but when they're being recorded, either with video and audio or the the instructors right there, they're mm -hmm. often doing a lot of that. I've found more with a one on ones where there's not an instructor in the room. You know, you have more to report afterwards sometimes of, yeah. of the doctor's manner and how they did and so on. Oh, and I mean, who knows? I hope she knows. But maybe it's better. Maybe it's better if she never found out. I don't know. I think I want her to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very worried for her future patients. I like someone in the hospital. I mean, you know, she's gonna be out there training people. I mean, she must have figured it out by now. Yeah, it's probably gonna, easier to tell on a real human. <laughs> yes, but I'm gonna go ahead and hope and assume for everybody's benefit <sighs> that the instructor did tell her yeah. what actually happened and so I then right after so. that encounter once you all discovered this did you all unsew it immediately how did that work for yeah the i think i think the instructor must have pulled it all out and kind of reset it because she had some scissors or something from the kit and oh. you know so we, we we took all that out and we reset the baby and snapped it all shut and you could barely even tell you know because it's <laughs> it's pretty strong like vinyl or plastic that, that you could barely tell there had been any puncture holes there at all it was really I mean, and I never had it happen again. It was only the one time giving I'm birth that someone sewed my butthole shut. The rest of the times, nobody bothered. It's so, a one-time thing, you know. Yeah, chances are low. <laughs> Probability's not high. <laughs> Back to standardized patient of um, why it's important to have these experiences oh, on a fake pelvis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything. I mean, everything from the approach that they make to the patient to the actual work, like this is a way that they can get better at it and we can help them get better at it. It's, it's fun being a standardized patient. It's very silly. You get yes. to do really cool stuff and you do feel like you're helping create the new generation of doctors or yeah. nurses you know you get to give them both an experience with weird technical stuff and yeah. also with empathy i don't know if this is worth mentioning as well for a very brief period i did do a couple of cases where i actually did real public exams which i know some folks do gouda stuff right yeah, yeah yeah and i knew some people who did it and they offered me one and you know it pays more because it's like an actual exam but mm -hmm. i did a whole morning's worth where i went in and i got pelvic exams you know and they, they kind of had it all set up and it was very comfortable and i remember thinking at the time like 
I would so much, because they don't bother me, right? Like, they've never oh, bothered sure. me. I'm very yeah. just like, sure, whatever. But I remember thinking at the time, I would so much rather this be with me than with some scared 18-year-old. Like, a lot of young people, when they get to college, is the first time they may have a full pelvic exam. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're nervous and they're tense. And, you know, if the doctor is also nervous and tense and doesn't know what they're looking for, like, that's not good for anybody. And I was really impressed with the women who would regularly do the in-person pelvic exams. I remember there was a lovely older lady who would do her crosswords and her knitting. And that was one of her big things was just training people with her actual human body, how to do a proper pelvic exam, how to see where the cervix is, how to make sure the speculum is entered without being painful, that sort of stuff. And you can't really learn that unless you're dealing with a flesh and blood human being. That's true too. Yeah. And so my question is just to make sure that you didn't have a sewing up incident. Oh God. <laughs> for the real pelvic exam. Were there other instructors in there with you? Yeah. So yeah, usually okay. what the, the few times I did the real pelvic exam, they had the instructor there and the student, because especially with things like angle and like light, you know, mm -hmm. I've never of course been on that end of a pelvic yeah, exam, sure. but there's a lot of variation I think among humans about kind of angle, right? Like how mm -hmm. to see what you need to see and kind of, you know, cervix height and all sorts of stuff. And there's been a lot more information about that in the past couple of years, right? we've gotten into menstrual cups and more women are getting diagnosed with things like endometriosis and fibroids like just the universe of OBGYN is getting a lot more open and a lot more detailed but yeah it was very interesting kind of you know they'd be like I can't see such and such and they'd say oh yeah here's a little you know just try this and so you could see the patients learning in real time in a way that they probably wouldn't have felt comfortable with with a real patient right. in a doctor's office the stakes are so much higher and, yeah. and also knowing that they're hiring people that are okay with having multiple pelvic yeah. exams yeah new students relatively that's uh, yeah. I, that's something i don't think i could sign up for so right. i'm really impressed that you're yeah yeah you know, you know and it was that thing of like you know they're learning and and you know if it lasts a little longer than a regular pelvic exam you've got lots of breaks you know it wasn't like it was constant all day long very much it's almost like people who volunteer to do phlebotomy tests or something like that mm -hmm. or learn how to do anything like that like if you're not bothered by needles mm -hmm. sure and i fell off with it eventually and you know, i only did it for a little bit it was a really interesting learning experience and particularly impressive to me to see the kind of dedication that some of those folks do it with like yeah. it's like their their thing of like i am teaching people how to do this so that when they go to a real patient like they will already have this level of comfort and level of skill that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So between yeah. real bodies and fake pelvis. Yes, because some stuff you can do with the fake pelvis, like you can put the growth in there. Like you don't yeah. have to have someone with a real ectopic pregnancy because right. you can put a little growth on the right side if the pregnancy got stuck in the tube or something and they can feel it there and go, oh, that's what it would feel like if it was incorrect. Yeah. Rather than just verbalizing. Yeah. Oh, it hurts when you push there. Or yeah. something of that. Or giving exactly. you a card that says. Right. Right. growth in this growth area. in this area yeah i wonder if they have similar things for like the sound of lungs that are not sounding good you know they recordings. do actually i've used nice. them i'm forgetting the name of them but uh ventriloscopes ah. i love the name Ooh, like um, a ventriloquist yeah exactly and so they will listen with a very specific mm. stethoscope which is you know ventriloscope instead when they're listening so it like areas plays a little recording instead yeah of so like the SPs would then have a button that ah. would like okay if they're listening to my lower left lung field right this button because there's some wheezing mm -hmm. um, or some fluid in there or if they're listening somewhere else they're gonna hear crackles okay or it could be normal on one so you have options yeah nice so nice they come up with lots of cool you know there's always a lot of recharging in between encounters <laughs> and, and yeah. but yeah but one of my favorite <laughs> I used to do speaking of like fake 
Oh yeah. It actually has to do with babies as well. Ah! So for years I did this fake breastfeeding case oh. at a university med school. It was a go-to. Like I and so what they did is it, it had a lot of components in it. So it was always a female SP. We would have a fake baby, but it was a stuffed animal baby. Okay, so, okay. And its Soft. mouth was like open. Yeah. Like uh. so uh, yep, yep. <laughs> Very creepy. And it was like bigger than an average baby too. But uh-huh. you know, we're just going with it. We also, I think just as it's funny we had fake breasts that that's we what i was just to, wondering yep that we had to put on so we'd wear a normal shirt like okay. a tight shirt and then we'd have pillow breasts and uh-huh. one of them like was over top and one uh-huh. of them was black oh my god <laughs> those were the only two we had so yeah and we'd put them on over top of our normal shirt and bra and then we'd wear a bigger bra a bigger, on top and yeah. then a bigger shirt okay and so during the course of this We'd have these students coming in and I, I don't know if they were tipped off that like things oh were going to happen in here yeah. because I was so impressed with how many of them were able to keep a straight face. To keep a straight face. face. And not only have keep a straight face, but go with it. So wait, and- was there milk in the fake boob? No. So, we okay, so they weren't filled with liquid. Oh, yeah, okay. it was just truly pillows. Like imagine like pillows. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, Did they have a nipple? So what we had, you had a nipple and everything, yeah. Okay. So we, uh, we'd get about maybe five minutes into the encounter where we're holding our baby, we're talking okay. to the doctor, we're telling them we're having some issues with breastfeeding. And all of a sure. sudden, we hear a ding on the overhead, and that was a... a cue? The, yeah, a cue for us to then turn on a recorder that we had in our lap, somewhere kind of uh. hidden had a button that would make the baby start crying. It was just a sound recorder. And so then the baby would start crying and we'd go, oh no, she's getting fussy. Uh I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to feed her right now. And then we would you know, open the bra uh-huh. and try to have the baby latch on. And so yeah. again, the doctor's watching this and it's not working because we're holding the baby wrong. Oh. And like, And then it was like, ow, ow, you know, having yeah. reactions to the breastfeeding. And eventually we would turn off the recorder. And then at this point we would say, And here's what you would be really seeing. And we'd go to the computer. And about two and a half minutes into this video, which we had to set up, we wouldn't push play. And it would show a woman breastfeeding her child not well. I mean, it just wasn't working out. The latch wasn't going on. Uh, And so then the student would think, oh, okay, okay, I need to help her with latching and let's talk about how to do it so then they me and the baby and how to latch give or take um with the positioning and even like if they were really good set us up with a lactation consultant Mm -hmm. and i just remember i had one guy he was a little bit older for a med student (laughs) which was great he was obviously really into it and he was very good i'll never forget if they were good they'd get the baby's name they'd say oh yeah all of these things and Mm -hmm. at the very end he was about to leave the room and he went up to the baby and he patted her on the head he's like you're such a sweet girl sandra (laughs) we'll we'll take care of you (laughs) And I was like, thank you so much. So I did this one so many times. Oh, man. We had it. We called it the Muppet boob case. They were basically <laughs> like Muppet boobs. <laughs> um, I, don't, I haven't done that one in years, but it, it felt like it was juggling without actually juggling. If that yeah, well, you have to move everything around and oh, yeah. <laughs> the fake bra, the fake breast, the <sighs> recorder, the video, all of the things. It was wow. wild. Yeah, because you know it's not you can do it on a remote or something or have someone else press play. You you have to do all of it. You're kind of your own stage manager and your yes. own little producer. And yeah. you know it's weird though because I would feel different if they were like very nice. If um, med student kind of has that moment of like oh little so-and-so you know you're a great mm-hmm. mom or whatever it, you, you go oh yeah. they were, they it teaches 
Yeah, there and there was room for feedback. That was actually one of yeah. those where then the group would come back in because oh, nice. there were several students outside watching. There was a preceptor mm-hmm. outside watching, attending, and yep. they would all come in together. The preceptor would talk about what happened, and mm-hmm. then they'd give us room as standardized patients. Oh, that's feedback. great. So we had that opportunity to be like, well, when you did this, I felt mm-hmm. you know comforted or, or reassured, and when you right. did this, I felt a little unclear. Whatever was happening in that encounter, but yeah, so it was actually a great resource for the students, mm-hmm. but it was just a very funny one. It yeah, was- and like, you know, both us as the SP and the doctor try to play it straight, like if this was a real scenario, like I would really want to help this woman giving birth or, you know, trying to feed her baby. But the fact that we all know that it's fake sometimes kind of like pushes everyone over the edge. Like I definitely remember a few doctors kind of laughing a, a little bit, doctor, student, you know, they, they do their best, like, but it's a yeah. pretty silly scenario. Like when they're certain... delivering the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Or just yeah. like, oh, or, oh, that's what we're doing. All right. <laughs> there's no way it's going to quite feel like a real birth, but it's, yes. you know, it's as good as we can do. Exactly. Better than nothing. <laughs> but one of my other favorite ones, and this is very straightforward, but we had a fake mannequin arm oh. and this was not attached to us. And that's what made it so great is oh, it was yeah. truly a test for, I think, fourth year med students about how to insert an IV through the oh. bone. If they didn't oh, have ultrasound. Okay. Yeah, it was really hardcore, really important for emergency yeah. care. Okay. And we got to learn as standardized patients, we learned the steps, how to do it. We were trained on, of course, we've never done this on a real person. Yeah, yeah. We won't do it, but we were trained on how to do it on a fake arm and okay. usually like a man's fake arm. Yeah, like a um, big fake arm with veins and stuff. So did it have the two bones and then you had to go in between them? Mm -hmm. Yep, and then also there was some blood to it as well. Uh, So many years ago at one of the universities, we were testing the students for this. Mm-hmm. And the best part is, you know, they came in, they needed had to have all of these steps, like almost a 40 step process for them. Mm-hmm. And it was really important for their grade. And uh, we always said, you know, what should we just say when when they come into the room, because the, the arm is sitting over there across the room. We're just on the bed and we have a checklist. So we're right. seeing if they take the steps. Uh-huh. And our trainers were just like, when they enter, just say, I'm crashing. <laughs> and then <laughs> let them get into it. Oh, like, nice. So like this is, this is the yeah. scenario. This is the scenario. I'm crashing. Do what you need to do to my arm. <laughs> uh, and then be as like neutral as possible, not like, ah, oh, right, no, right. You become almost like the, the secondary instructor in that exactly. moment rather than the, the patient flailing and screaming and what have you. Because <laughs> I can't even imagine. That would, that's the next step for them. Yeah, the yeah. So I always enjoy doing those because those are just kind of, I feel like I'm learning some really cool things. Yeah. Like, like the more obscure the, the medical stuff, the better in some ways, where it's like, wow, this is really be unusual that they'd need to do this. And also yeah. it becomes very surreal when you have a body part in the room with you like you know it's fake but it's part of the training yeah. and you know it just has this very kind of dream weird scenario feeling <laughs> yeah. when you're sitting there with it kind of you know waiting for the next encounter or resetting things wait did you have to reset like a little bag for the blood or we did it? have to reset in between we'd wipe things down okay. we'd you know throw away trash yeah, yeah. yeah so all of the things i'm trying to think if there were little bags or how that worked yeah maybe but it, was, it was something that was up. yeah it worked out pretty well in my opinion was it red uh, blood it was red yeah oh, wow <laughs> so you could see the thing you know going through the tubes and oh, yeah. i'm just grateful they didn't do it on my arm that's all wow <laughs> yeah that's incredible drill through the arm yeah so uh but anyway it's been so so fun hearing your stories about the fake pelvises. Oh my gosh. So there, I, I think there could be some nightmares going on from this episode. Yeah, you know, and they're, the fake pelvises are really a trip. You know, you could probably Google to find images of them. Some of them are a little smaller, like a boy short kind of situation. 
contraction and the, the, the pelvises for giving birth are much larger, but you know, they're a fancy piece of medical equipment to a certain extent. Exactly. They're well-made, they're very clear, and they're as lifelike as they can possibly be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But they kind of lead to endless hilarity. Yes, it's, that is 100% the truth. <laughs> so thank you so much, Gwen, for sharing your stories. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to let our audience know where, if they wanted to find you, they could see more of your work moving forward. Sure. So you've been talking a little bit about this musical comedy web series, Dr. Dower and Peach. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? So it was with a bunch of kind of silly people who I met through Faction of Fools. It's a, basically a musical comedy web series that's kind of dark and creepy and fun. My play somebody's dead wife was being resurrected and for a while I'm possessed by a cat and I'm a zombie and anyway it's lots of fun so that's available on Dr. Doran Peach I think com or on YouTube if you just search Dr. Doran Peach I also have a little website for myself GwenGrassdorf.com where I keep stuff updated so usually if I've got like a show coming up or interviews or videos of stuff that I've done all that is stuff is posted over there awesome well we will all definitely link to all that in the show notes for anyone that wants to find you. But thank you so much, Gwen. We really appreciate you being here. It yeah. has been such a pleasure to talk to you <laughs> and having your, your stories and wisdom. Uh, <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you. And you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the Standardized Patients Podcast. Thank you so much to Randy Sharp for the use of our theme song, Mr. Gorita. You can find their music at Artlist. Thank you to Catherine Babalek for the behind the scenes work, audio post-production, and cover art. That's our show. See you next time as we encounter more standards of standardized patient work.